the Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He makes me down to line in pastures green. He leadeth me the quiet waters by. My soul he doth restore again and makes me doth make within the paths of righteousness even for his own name's sake. I walk in this dark veil, yet will I fear no ill, for thou art with me and thy rod and staff me comfort still. A table thou hast burned. In presence of my foes, my head thou dost with oil anoint, and my cup overflows. Goodness and mercy all my life shall surely follow. Peter chapter 5, verse 1. The elders which are among you I exhort, whom am also an elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. First Peter chapter 5. Brother Gene read for us, first 11 verses. We're going to talk this morning a little bit about the chief shepherd. The chief shepherd. Now Peter is writing to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And he calls them elect. 
according to the foreknowledge of God. You'll find that in the first verse of the first chapter of the first epistle of Peter. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit. Notice sanctification of the Spirit. When God saves you, what does He do? He gives you His Spirit, doesn't He? He does. Sanctification is a setting aside. So He's identifying the people that He's writing to. Alright? Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and strengthening of the blood of Jesus Christ. And He says, Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. So, He's writing to those that I just named, the strangers there, and he's writing to you and to me because we are the elect according to the foreknowledge of God, bought and paid for by the shed blood of God's own Son, Jesus Christ. All right, First Peter chapter 5. In verse 2, well, let's... Read the first verse. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. He was there, wasn't he? Did witness it. And also, he says, I'm a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Oh, that's the promise of this spiritual life, isn't it? And then he instructs them and us, feed the flock of God which is among you. Feed the flock of God. The Lord's people throughout this book are uh, depicted as sheep. And when we look into the nature of sheep, we see that sheep aren't real bright. Rather, they are extremely dependent upon a leader, a shepherd. All right, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. Not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither being lords over God's heritage, but being ensampled or examples to the flock. So the shepherd leads the flock, doesn't he? And I'm talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He leads the flock. In the biblical days, uh, when the shepherds, uh, took care of the flocks of sheep. They led them into green pastures. They led them into where they needed to be because of what they needed to eat or to partake of, to live and to be healthy. He took care of them. He directed them. He had to. Why? Because they are prone to stray away, aren't they? Very accurate depiction of God's children, isn't it? It is because we still have, we still retain that human nature within us. Verse 4 says, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. The chief shepherd, that is our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We just sang the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want or be in want of anything is the simple explanation there. He provides all of our needs the same way the shepherd did. 
Likewise, verse 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. All of us are subject one to another. You teach me. I teach you. I learn from you. You learn from me. But all of us depend on and learn from the shepherd, Jesus Christ, through his word that he provides for us, that he enlightens to us. All right. When the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. We've noticed all through God's book that pride is not one of God's favorite things, is it? No. He frowns upon pride because he knows his sheep and he knows what's in man. The Bible tells us that. Humble yourselves. That's so necessary and it begins when? When God saves us. When God shows us our situation and our need of Him. We have to humble ourselves before Him because we recognize Him. And He's God, the sovereign God over all things. Above all. We recognize that fact. We humble ourselves before Him. For God resisteth the proud, verse 5, and giveth grace to the humble. We humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. We are comforted and at peace within because we know that we are in those hands. We are in His hands. Those nail-scarred hands, by the way. Those hands that He willingly had pierced. That body that he willingly sacrificed for you and for me. He did it for us. And with those same hands, he upholds us in everything we go through. We question, don't we? We doubt, we fear, don't we? We do. But if we just listen to him over and over, he says, fear not. No matter what you're going through, you're suffering, you're sick, you're losing loved ones, and you wonder, you can't help but wonder, why? But you know that God knows why. You know that God has that person's day, if you will, in His perfect plan. He knows all things. It's like Peter walking on the water. They were in the in the boat, the ship, in a storm. They were afraid. They were afraid of the storm that they were going through. Then they were afraid because they saw Jesus walking on the water and thought he was a ghost, and they began to cry out in fear. <coughs> Peter said, well, I know we talked about this last week, but Peter said, Lord, if it's really you, let me walk on the water like that. And Jesus said, Come, come on. And he did. And he was looking at Jesus and he was able to walk on the water. And the water had no 
power to sink him. Why? Because he was in the presence of holiness. Because he was looking at Jesus Christ. Oh, it's so important, whatever we're going through, to look to him. He is upholding us with his hands, with strength and power. And it's, a, it's an amazing thing to feel that peace when you realize that it's him that's holding you up. It's a wonderful, wonderful feeling that God gives us. All of your care, all of your worry, all of your fear, all of your concern for others, and we have it. Brother Chuck just presented a bunch of concerns to us on the prayer list. Where do we put that? How do we handle it? We put it in God's hands, don't we? We bring it to Him in knowledge of His care and love for us, in knowledge of Him wanting the best for us, and He does. The Bible tells us that all things work together for good to those that love the Lord, those that are the called according to whose purpose? His. He has a great and divine plan for your life. And that plan is being worked out every day. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. This is a fact. The enemy is walking about on earth seeking whom he may devour. The way that a lion devours his prey. How does he do that? He stops the prey in its tracks and he rips it apart, doesn't he? Oh, but we are protected, aren't we? We have a shepherd who protects us. And the enemy has to go through him to get to you. In the biblical days, when the shepherd uh, would bring the sheep up out of the valleys where they uh, ate in the green pastures, they would back them up against like a cliff or a mountainside. And they, they would have a place around that protected the sheep. And there was a gap that the sheep would come through as the shepherd led them through this gap. In the 23rd Psalm, we, we sang where thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Well, we know that the staff uh, was for correction, was for defense against a roaring lion or the wolves or whatever would devour the sheep. What about the rod? Well, they tell me that the rod, the shepherd would hold over the gap. And as the sheep entered the gate under the rod, he would count them. Every sheep was accounted for. And he wasn't just counting one, two, three, four. No, the shepherd knows every sheep by name, doesn't he? 
Oh, what a peaceful thought to know that we are in the flock and counted for and known by Him. Be sober, be vigilant. What does that mean? Uh, not to drink in excess and get drunk, of course. It does. But it's much, much deeper than that. It's the love of the things of this world that intoxicate us. What does intoxication do? Well, it slows down our thought processes. It causes our responses to be slow. And that's what the enemy, that's what Satan uses against us to intoxicate us, to make us numb toward the things of God. That's what he's after. So we're told to be sober and be vigilant in God's Word and in uh, expressing and exercising our faith in Him. We always return, don't we, to Him because we are in His mighty hands. All right. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 11 says, He shall feed His flock like a shepherd. He shall gather together the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom. He shall gently lead those that are with young. See, he is a caring father. He is a loving shepherd. Not one sheep will escape from him. Because he loves us cares for us. He's going to see us all the way through until He comes back for us. He is a providing shepherd. He provides manna from heaven. He Himself said the true manna from heaven is He that came down from heaven. And that is Himself. And when we partake of His Word, we are partaking of Him. So important that we recognize our need of Him. So Psalms 23, 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, because He provides all of my needs. I just remember to turn to Him in need. But that's one of the ways that the sheep wander, isn't it? We forget to call on Him. We forget to put our concerns in God's hand. We just buried my mother uh, last week. One of the things that she told me my entire life, she said, Buddy, son, just put it in God's hands and everything will be alright. It'll all work out. She's told y'all, some of y'all that, I'm sure, because that was one of her sayings. He's a tender shepherd. As we just read from Isaiah 40, he feeds his flock like a shepherd. He is a sacrificial shepherd. The shepherd gives his life for the sheep. That's how much the shepherd loves the sheep. In the biblical days, 
the shepherd would give his life for the sheep. He protected them with all that he had. His entire being he would give for the protection of those sheep. He loved them. They were his. He knew them by name. John 10 and verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. He has given his life for you. The gospel always needs to be preached when we stand in this pulpit. Jesus Christ, the chief shepherd, why is he the chief shepherd? Because he qualified as such to God the Father. He qualified to be the chief shepherd. He qualified to be our high priest because he was a perfect man. That was God's requirement. Adam and Eve failed. They were perfect. But only up to a point where they disobeyed God. The Lord Jesus never disobeyed God. He came to do his, father, his Father's will on earth, and he did so perfectly, didn't he? He did so perfectly. He is the sacrificial lamb. He lived that perfect life, and he voluntarily gave it up for those that he loved. Those that God the Father had given him even before the foundation of the world. He hung on the cross and he suffered for you. He allowed his blood to be shed for you. That blood qualified. None of the blood in the Old Testament did. It all pointed to his blood that did qualify to justify you before God. If you'd never sinned. God has put your sins as far away as east is from the west. Out of his mind. And praise God, he is the risen shepherd. He's the risen shepherd. See, he accomplished for you what you could never accomplish. In Hebrews chapter 13, in verse 20, says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. Here he is. He's the chief shepherd. Depicted by all the shepherds that love their sheep. But he is the great shepherd. The God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. See, God loved you. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit made an agreement, made a covenant before the foundation of the world. And that covenant included what I just told you about. The Lord Jesus coming in a virgin birth, not tainted with the human nature of fallen man. 
lived a perfect life, and then allowed his blood to be shed. That's the true sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ. There were thousands and thousands of them slaughtered in the Old Testament to represent what was coming, who was coming. That blood is what you're covered in. When God looks at you, no, He doesn't see your sin because He's looking through the blood of Jesus Christ. When God slaughtered animals in the Garden of Eden and made coats of skins, He covered their sin in His sight. They had already tried to cover their sins in their sight. And it appeared to work. They couldn't see each other's nakedness, yet they were still afraid of God's presence because they had sinned against Him. We are clothed with the blood of Jesus Christ. He is the sacrificial lamb. And then He is, again, the risen shepherd. In 1 Peter chapter 2, I want us to notice this. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God. When we fear God, we don't have to fear anything else, do we? No. Once again, the gate, and I don't think I made my point I wanted to make earlier. When the shepherd brought the sheep in for the night, out of the fields, into safety, the shepherd would sleep in that gap. He would lay across the gate and sleep so that any enemy of the sheep would have to go through him. That's the case today with you and me. If you read the book of Job, you'll realize you don't need to question why bad things happen. And you can rely on the fact that God has allowed it. Satan answers to God. There's no doubt about that. Satan doesn't touch you in your life without God's permission. He's limited, you see. But God is not. All right, verse 17, we're in 1 Peter chapter 2. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants be subject to you, masters, with all fear, but only to the good and gentle, but also, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongly. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, now this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were you called. You've been called into this life to follow Him. No matter what anybody else says or, or other people uh, talk bad about you or don't want anything to do with you because you believe in the sovereign God of the Bible, or even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, 
leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who did no sin, verse 22, he did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Why did he do that? That we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Praise God. He did it because He loved you. He suffered greatly. We will never suffer in this life like He did. For ye, verse 25, were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and the bishop of your souls. Isn't that something? He's not only the shepherd, but he is the bishop of your soul. What what does the word bishop actually mean? What does it entail? Well, a bishop is a spiritual supervisor. God is over your soul, and your soul is in his hand, his mighty hand. He is the shepherd and bishop of your soul. Oh, what a Savior. Now, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. No, chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 1 says, Finally, brethren, pray for us, that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith, but the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. You see, the Lord is dwelling across the gate to your life and to your soul. And nothing can touch you without going through him. But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you. That you both do and will. That you both do and will do the things which we command you. And the Lord directs your hearts into the love of God. And into the patient waiting for Christ. That's what we're doing, isn't it? He's coming back for us. Oh, and we're going to meet him in the air. And we're going to be without this human, fallen human nature that continues to drag us down and cause us, like sheep, to go astray. We're going to know him because we're going to be like him. And there'll be no more sin, no more pain and sickness, and no more death. We sang, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. <clears throat> the death of a saint is a mere crossing of the Jordan. 
into eternal life in the presence of God himself. What a Savior. What a shepherd he is. He, my friend, is the chief shepherd. Won't you put all your faith and trust in him? Because he is trustworthy. Praise the Lord.